even the whole crux of this show is, is talking about the problems. But there's also a lot of stuff that just isn't hard that also isn't a problem. Like the fact that I can take an idea from my brain, throw it on paper, and go make something tomorrow if I really wanted to. Incredible. We live in a day and age where more is possible now than at any point in human history. Don't forget that. Like, I forget that all the damn time. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 10 of Convincing Creatives. I can't believe we're already 10 episodes in. So today we're going to have a little bit of a special type of episode. So it's going to be just me. So hopefully uh, I will hold your attention and keep this engaging and entertaining throughout. Usually I have a guest if you're not familiar with the show. Um, actually, if you're not familiar with the show, you should probably go back and watch episode one just so you're a little more caught up. But uh, if you are new, welcome. And if you've been around for a while, welcome back. So today we're going to be answering a couple of your viewer questions. So I put some stuff out on social media Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and got a couple different questions from everyone who was checking out the show. Really appreciate that. Uh, and we'll be reading them on the show today and pretty much just going through it. So today's episode is a little more casual, a little more laid back. So if you want to, you know, go get a snack, make some coffee, you know, rest, get settled in. We'll, we'll, we'll make this a fun one. So I'm pretty excited about it. I want to do these uh, not too often. So make it a, a little bit of a special occasion just because, you know, I think 10 episodes in, you know, it's a small milestone. I mean, I think a lot of uh, shows tend to, you know, try out a few episodes and then, you know, double digits, man, not everyone's going to make it. Uh, and, you know, it's not the hardest thing to do to make a podcast by any means of the imagination, but it's also not easy, especially, you know, when you're booking guests and doing a lot of different things. So I think it is uh, kind of cool to just stop every once in a while and uh, check out, you know, something that we've done, a little milestone. So 10 episodes, we're going to celebrate, we're going to answer your questions, and if you have more questions you'd like to see answered on the show, uh, occasionally we will bring them in for on-air guest segments as well. So, you know, I'm going to have a guest, obviously, next episode, and I'll put something on Twitter. If you have any specific questions for that guest, you can always answer, but these questions are kind of more general creative, general artistic. So the first question today actually comes from my brother, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, and Ryan asks, what causes certain people to be more motivated? Is it their environment, the experiences that they've had, or is it something else? So I think that's a really good question. So when it comes to motivation, I think Ryan's asking, is it more individualistic? Is it learned behavior? Is it a combination? And I think it's sort of circumstantial. So I think it's going to depend on your situation, you know, where you've acquired your habits, a little bit of how you were raised, and also just sort of your general drive, tenacity, and want. So I think the thing with being creative and being motivated, especially in 2018, where, you know, the the systems that send out artists into the world, you know, the gatekeepers of industry, it's all more regulated. You know, they're, yes, losing influence because people like in the film world can make films similar to what I've done, you know, make feature films, make independent TV shows. But you're doing that on your dime and you're not doing that, uh, obviously, with the backing of a giant studio or anything of that nature. So it's going to be more difficult. So I think, you know, going back to learn behavior, um, you just have to ask yourself, okay, how much do I want it? And there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of people on the internet who kind of make a living and make a marketability, you know, aspect out of just telling people, you know, hey, the hustle, the grind, this, that, rise and grind. And, and that's all important. And I think, you know, that's a crucial piece of the pie. 
But I also think that a, a healthy dose of realism is also extraordinarily crucial, if not more so than that. Just because, you know, you can get up and you can grind every morning, you can do everything you need to do, but if you're not doing the correct steps and if you're not doing it in a way that is realistic to what your goal actually is, that may all be in vain. And so, for example, you know, if, if your biggest goal is, okay, I'm going to direct the next Star Wars, I would reconsider just because that is a goal that, you know, up to this point, maybe 10 to 12 people have ever done. So, you know, you can go back and, you know, retrace what they did and maybe try for it. I'm not saying you can't do it, but I'm just saying maybe renegotiate a little bit with yourself and say, okay, I clearly have an interest in storytelling of a grand nature. I like world building. What can I do in my backyard? Maybe I live in Colorado and I don't live in the middle of Hollywood and industry, but I do have these beautiful mountains behind me. Make a, you know, realistic, you know, fantasy post-apocalyptic situation, which you can make with resources that you have and uh, go film it and see what happens. Um, I don't know. That's just a small example. You know, it's going to be different for everyone, but I think really your, your goals need to be habits. So I think that at the end of the day, healthy dose of realism is the best thing because I think your goals are important to who you are. And if you have big and lofty goals, that's fantastic. But also be realistic with them and uh, also accountable. When I say accountable, you know, make checklists every few months. Have you written a script? Are you just talking about it? Are you just kind of flexing for the gram? You know what I'm saying? Things like that I think is important to check on and really check yourself to make sure your goals match what you're trying to ascertain and go for. So next question comes from Eric Hartley. Sir Eric Hartley was in my film, Son of Clowns. He was one of the leads. He is one of my favorite people, and he is an awesome individual. And he asks, how old is your soul? Or where do you find the unstoppable confidence to take an idea and breathe fire and life into it? Asking for a friend. Thank you, Eric. Um, Eric says that partially joking, just because I know Eric. Uh, I appreciate the question, man. Um, I, this, this is an interesting question with how old is your soul because I feel like it sort of lends to the uh, old adage, you know, you're an old soul, you know, you don't fit in with the trends and norms of people your age. And uh, I've sort of like carried that through my life. I've always felt that, uh, you know, more of an interest in people who are older than me, you know, history, things like that. Uh, not to say that, you know, current trends don't interest me because they do. You know, I love current music and some pop culture, you know, some of it I can leave, but uh, there's a good amount that I like. I think it's just a matter of uh, maybe how you approach situations. And, you know, a lot of people uh, say, you know, wow, you've made a film in your 20s and early 20s. And like, that's crazy. And, you know, I don't, I think it's cool, but I, I think it's also something that, you know, anyone can do. And I think it's, uh, again, sort of tying back to like how much do you want to influence the outcomes of your life? So, for example, you know, when I made Son of Clowns, my first feature film with Eric, he was in it, um, you know, I guess I sort of approached everything from a mindset of saying, okay, no, this is my first film. I'm only 22, but I don't want to wait till I'm 40 because I don't want to wait around and, you know, get someone's permission or maybe wait around and never get someone's permission and then always wonder and say, hey, you know, I've got this idea, I've got this script, um, 
I hate scripts in the drawer. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say you got to have like eight scripts in the drawer at all times, just in case someone comes by to, you know, give you a green light. And, uh, I just think that's terrible advice. Like I, I think you shouldn't have eight scripts. I think you should have a script or two, maybe juggling back and forth between something you're working on. But I think you should always be making what you're writing. And I know not everyone wants to be a writer director. If your goal is to simply be a writer, um, I actually think you're going to have a much harder time because I think the market out there is not really as favorable towards you right now. And I think that if you do have an interest in seeing one of your scripts come to life, you should seriously consider directing it because A, I believe in you. And B, uh, that's the easiest way to get stuff made. Just go look at what Jim Cummings has done with his film Thunder Road. That's a film that's recently come out and it has shaken the uh, indie filmmaking community to their core in the best possible way. Certainly, uh, there are more people than just Jim Cummings who are doing this, but I think he has done it probably best. And I think that is a format to check out if you are a aspiring filmmaker or creative. I know I've talked a lot about film, but you know, same thing applies for music writing anything business even i mean if you have an idea that you want to execute and you're waiting for that you know angel investor that person to just come through and bless your situation um that may not happen you know consider scaling down but also scaling appropriately to realism sort of tying back in with the original question from ryan so uh that's sort of a very long-winded answer to what i'm talking about i have no idea if that's of any relevance to your question Arlie asks, who is your favorite person? Arlie, my favorite person is you. In terms of creativity, my favorite person is also you because you have an awesome work ethic. Um, Arlie is my fiance. Aside from you, um, my favorite person would probably, I don't know, that's, that's actually a really tough question. I have a lot of favorite people. Uh, Destin Cretton, the director of Short Term 12, he has a very raw and passionate style of filmmaking that... I would sort of liken to my own, but I think he does it uh, exceptionally well. Um, you know, I think he has been someone who has influenced me with, you know, he's only made a, a couple films up to this point. When he makes a film, it really just punches me in the gut and leaves me with all kinds of emotion. And I think it's just an absolutely beautiful thing. So I'm really excited to see, obviously, what he makes in the future. The Duplass brothers, they're sort of some of the original pioneers of the mumblecore movement of filmmaking, also the independent filmmaking kind of area that we are inhabiting right now. I mean, they've kicked that off years and years ago, certainly, but I think they have sort of become the uh, the fathers of independent cinema, so to speak, you know, at least in this day and age. Certainly people have done it before them, but, you know, they really influenced me as well because they just have a constant output of work. And I think that is something to strive for where they don't get really bogged down in the meticulousness of everything. They really just settle for making the best work that they can make in a moment. They make it and they move on to something else. And I think there is something extremely awesome about that. Additionally, I'm a drummer. If you can't tell, I've been drumming actually longer than I've been making films. Um, drumming keeps me sane. And someone who I also admire is Chad Smith of the Red Hot Chili Peppers because that guy can drum like nobody's business, but he has so much fun doing it. And I think that's something that we as creatives just need to do sometimes. Let's have some damn fun. All right, next question comes from Connor. Connor asks, what is the most challenging part of your creative process and what is the most fulfilling? That is a great question. Um, a lot of things are challenging. I, 
again, just sort of coming back to independent filmmaking and just the general structure and nature of it. Um, you know, you're doing like 18 hour days and you're sleeping on air mattresses and you're asking people for favors, beg, borrow, steal pretty much everything in your production. Um, so I think that's challenging. I think it's challenging when you are making like your third or fourth project in the way that you kind of make your first where it's low budget and long hours and you sort of wonder to yourself like is this the way I'm going to always make work like you have that part of your brain and I want to be transparent about that because you know I have made a number of projects but they're kind of always difficult to make and I have accepted that and that's actually part of the process and I think that's part of the beauty of the process in terms of what I do I, I you know I can't speak to someone who's a painter or a writer because I think you know you can sort of uh hole up in your studio and at least have the you know creative control over saying like hey I have the materials it's on me to create certainly it's not going to be easy but with filmmaking it's this collaborative thing right and so you've got all these different people schedules to balance I mean I've literally had a lead actor drop out of a production days before it was scheduled to start and that was extremely stressful. And luckily I found someone to to do the part and it was all, you know, it all ended up working out great, but that happens. And, you know, it's, it's part of this industry and part of this creative world that we work in. You know, people have day jobs, people overbook. Um, it, it's different from a traditional nine to five where it's like, you know, hey, I'm always going to be in the office at this time if you need me. I think if you can sort of appreciate the hectic nature of everything and creativity um, and not let it like rattle you, but use it almost as fuel to sort of say, hey, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to be better than this. I'm going to work harder. Um, I think it'll actually give you some energy and coffee. Coffee helps too. So also in terms of what is the most fulfilling part of my creative process, um, that's something I definitely can speak good things on, obviously. Uh, the creative part and the fulfilling part is, is sort of the same thing. Like, just being creative, to me, is, is enough. Like, just being creative. And I think that's something that we take for granted. Like, there's so much of this show, right, where I'm talking to someone and we're talking about, like, what's the hardest thing? What's the most challenging thing? What's tricky? This, that, and the third. And I think at the end of the day it's not always going to be what's most challenging and what's most difficult, but it's just like, wow, I get to do this. This is a blessing. Like to make a film in this day and age, like really you don't need much like to paint really, you don't need much. Like it, it's really on you. And, and I think that, I mean, even the whole crux of this show is talking about the problems, but there's also a lot of stuff that just isn't hard. That also isn't a problem. Like the fact that I can take an idea from my brain, throw it on paper and go make something tomorrow. If I really wanted to incredible, we live in a day and age where more is possible now than at any point in human history. Don't forget that. Like I forget that all the damn time. And I think it's important not to, because you know, yes, the news is depressing and there's a lot of just bad stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff that's going to distract you. But there's also sort of a beauty to the moment that we find ourselves in. You know, if we were all 30 years back and the only way you could make a film was like struggling in Hollywood, getting coffee for 20 years and maybe doing it. Um, you know, I mean, I don't think we'd have as many stories or 
diverse ideas and, and folks out there just making cool stuff that we wouldn't see. Cause I think when you have the means of engineering and creativity in your own hands to like create your own story, you're going to get so much more out there and in your palette of which to take in like all the different films and people and art and everything. It's going to be so much more broad. And I think that's going to inspire you and inspire work out of you. Because let's be honest, like we all ingest and take in things and ideas and other art forms and it, and it inspires us to make stuff. So I think it's just sort of this perpetual cycle. So, I mean, I actually am really excited about the moment we're in for art and I think it's hard and I think it's probably harder than ever to stand out because there are so many people in that space doing stuff. But at the same time, don't forget that like, because that's there, you're feeding off of it and and don't don't think that you're just isolated on an island because yes you know your film or whatever may not get a million views i mean gosh guys my podcast right now i mean we have a small audience but it's a small passionate audience and i wouldn't trade that for an audience that's just sort of scrolling through like yeah whatever and and just not taking anything out of it i'd rather a few people get something out of it than a bunch of people just check it out real fast and kind of digest it and move on so I think we're in a cool moment and I think it's up to us to push through, find the ways to, to get some attention, obviously, because that's important, but also enjoy the process. All right. So the last question here comes from Taylor D. Adams. Taylor has a really rad show on his channel. He runs this production company called Scrapped. Go check out his stuff. Uh, so Taylor asks, what is the one kind of film or show that got you into this crazy world of filmmaking? That is tough. Okay, so it kind of depends how you want to answer that question. So I look at my kind of filmmaking journey in a few different ways. So I look at it as the young, young version of me who's like eight years old and is watching stuff and is thinking, okay, I want to be a filmmaker because that's one version of me. I think of the other version of me that's like going through film school and just getting an understanding of what film actually can be. So that's me sort of getting into indie films, film festivals, you know, kind of really digging in the crate, so to speak, for film, kind of outside of the big blockbuster stuff that the general public would know about. And then you sort of have myself now who, as a kind of, you know, quote unquote, more experienced filmmaker, I, you know, look for things that are really going to challenge my cinematic palette, you know, really look for things that are going to inspire me to make art um, while also obviously enjoying films for the sake of film. So I'll answer that in sort of three different ways. So the first is sort of like what got me into film. And I think it was actually books and writing, strangely enough. So like going way back to like when I was like a very small child, just, just hearing people tell stories and books and just the medium of storytelling was so creatively empowering to me. And I remember I would always take paper and I would write stories and write scripts and write plays and books and little things. And I would just write them and just like fold them up and give them to people. And it would just, you know, I'd keep them sometimes. And it would just be this way of like creating something. And I had this like, you know, comic book that me and my friends would make in the neighborhood. And we'd like, you know, staple pages together. We'd all write a story and we'd like, you know, copy it by hand because at that time there were no like photocopiers that children could use I mean you had to go to like the store and it would cost like five whole dollars and so obviously we didn't have that but I mean that is like the first first thing going to actual films to your actual question uh probably the film slash series of film that really just blew my mind creatively is the Lord of the Rings trilogy by Peter Jackson in Fellowship of the Ring 
you pretty much world build the entire time and you just start from this tiny, tiny seed and just, just outwardly grow. And just that growth and creative uh, explosion was just so cool to me. Like seeing the world of Middle Earth come to life, all of the different factions and the, the individual characters, you know, how different they were. Like everyone in the fellowship was super different from one another, but they all like got along and made it work even when it didn't. But again, the final battle, it sort of all builds to this big point at the end. And you find this moment where the heroes are pretty much all defeated. They're almost done. Hope is pretty much lost. And there's this big rallying point. And it's just a reminder of our kind of collective shared humanity where everyone sort of bonds. And then you have this grand ending where things, you know, work out. But, you know, it, it's so Hollywood and so, you know, picturesque in a way. But it's also so beautiful. And I found that Peter Jackson was able to sort of balance that, like, the good guys win yay mentality of like traditional Hollywood with like the actual dirt grime and struggle of life. And it's a way of filmmaking you don't normally see on a big budget scale like that. So those films were really kind of the, the Genesis. I got them on DVD from my grandmother uh, for Christmas one year and I just watched them all the time. And it was before the internet, like I had dial up at the time and I couldn't get on and watch videos and barely use the internet. And so the behind the scenes DVD commentary and like all the stuff like that, that was like a little baby film school for me. It was, it was incredible. And I just watched those after school all the time. I, I probably watched them hundreds of times and it was just a way to like really digest. Oh wow. This is something human beings can do. We can create these stories on this grand level. So for the longest time I wanted to go to Hollywood and then that sent me off to film school at East Carolina university, go pirates. And I did that for four years. And so through film school, I sort of got a little bit less interested in Hollywood and more interested in the independent stuff, you know, all kinds of classic films and just, just the way of filmmaking that's a little bit different. Obviously, if I ever got a chance to do something with Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or whatever, I would say, yes, I like money as much as you probably do. I think it's just an interesting thing that happened around that time where I was like, wow, you can make these smaller stories and package them and have, you know, just as much being said with a lot less resources. So it really opened my eyes to say like, wow, I can make films here in North Carolina. That really blew things up for me. And then going into finding films like Short Term 12, which was one of my biggest influences, like as the filmmaker I am today, uh, who's like a professional filmmaker, that film just opened my eyes because it was done on a small budget you know, had a lot of heart, had a lot of passion, but it had so much to say with so little resources. And I think that kind of resource-based filmmaking is now what interests me way more than big budget kind of grand scale stuff. Um, and so obviously that's what I've done in my films like Son of Clowns and my series Home Remedy and my shorts. Like it, it's always that kind of thing where I like to take characters who are, you know, struggling with something and uh, show the people around them. I love ensembles. If that's not clear in my work, I don't know what is. Um, and, and I just love showing like that one person or two people or whatever who's struggling and like the people who come around them and like how they shape them through very day-to-day -day menial tasks on the outside. But from the inside, it's major stuff on them and it shapes them. So that's probably the biggest thing. And then in terms of like the filmmaker I am today, uh, that is a connection. But then stuff like Atlanta, like like seeing television right now is incredible. Like Atlanta, surreal storytelling, like it, it's just, I, I love it. Like I love the surreal aspects of stuff like that. And it's challenging me to say, okay, now you can say, 
you can create these worlds that are lived in and small and, you know, passionate and individualistic, but you can also add some just weirdness to it and, and, and use that as commentary. And so, you know, I think you're, as long as you're always growing as a filmmaker, like that's my biggest thing is like taking in influences that challenge me, that make me grow, that make me kind of rethink the way I want to make my next film. Um, I think that's important. Having a style is cool, but I don't ever want to just be known for one style of film. You know, I want to take that kind of core nucleus of what I like to do, you know, with characters and ensemble and stuff, but translate it into a variety of stories and ways of telling stories, genres, everything. Cool deal. That is all the questions we have for today. I appreciate everyone who asked questions. Uh, I rambled for a very long time, but I think it's fun to just do these sort of uh, intimate Q&As where I'm just basically talking to a camera with the microphone because uh, it's fun. I enjoy doing it. And I enjoy kind of just sharing and connecting with you guys because usually the conversations uh, are kind of, you know, between me and someone else. So it's cool to involve you guys, the audience as well. So I want to do these, you know, every so often. I'm not saying, you know, guaranteed every 10 episodes, but I want to space them out a little bit, maybe once or twice a year, something like that. So if you want to see more, obviously let me know. We can incorporate your questions into uh, future episodes of the show with guests. Uh, but if you got them, send them our way. We'll save them for the next one. Obviously, leave them down below if you do got questions. Uh, and additionally, uh, hope you're enjoying the show. Let me know what you're thinking. If you have ideas for the show, I'd love to hear from you. Additionally, if you're listening on iTunes, definitely leave us a review. All you got to do is just drop us a couple stars. really helps us out. Once we get, I think, beyond five or ten, we're going to start showing up more and more in uh, search engines on the iTunes website. So that's going to help. If we can pop up in those search engines, we'll get more traction and more viewers and this whole thing will just grow. Pretty much the big idea here is I just want convincing creatives to be a place where we can all talk about our shared creativity, what we're struggling with, what we're enjoying, all sorts of things like that. Which leads me to the final question. Evan, what are you currently struggling with and how do you think you can make it better? Thanks, Evan. That's a great question. If you don't know, that's a question we ask everyone on the end of the show. I am no exception. So I'm going to be transparent with you guys. What I'm currently struggling with right now is, is writing. So I've got new scripts, new ideas, this, that, and the third, and it's just forcing myself to write and, and put in the time to really make the writing process flourish. I don't, I don't have like a hard time like putting the words out, but it's about creating the conditions in which I can write. And that all really comes back to scheduling. So something I've tried to do is block out times where I say, okay, this is the time where I'm writing, blah, blah, blah. And I uh, try to you know, turn off my phone, turn off Wi-Fi, do all the things to like really seclude myself. Sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. But when I say writing, I also want to say it's, it's creating the situations where I'm studying writing, where I'm reading books, where I'm you know, doing all that. And, and not just focusing on like the cinematography and like how are we going to produce this film and like what's the budget, but, but really like forcing that writing process to work for you. So I'm still figuring it out. I think I'm slowly getting better at it. You know, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I think I'm establishing routines, kind of connecting into Ryan's first question is like, you have to want the motivation to, to do it. So I feel good about that point. And it's just kind of now like me going through the, the motions to say, okay, this works, this doesn't, because what works for me may not work for you and vice versa. So I think now that's sort of what I'm exploring. Uh, so if you do have any uh, tips for that, like writing, creativity, like what do you do to just sort of get yourself jazzed about what you're working on? Let us know if you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment. If you're watching on iTunes, go to YouTube and leave us a comment. Uh, YouTube.com 
that's where we live, man. All the videos, we have every single podcast on video. So pretty exciting if you feel like, you know, listening a little in the car. When you get to your office, pop it up on video. Watch the rest. So we've got options for you guys. Um, again, I do appreciate you watching all of this. Appreciate the audience feedback, everything we got going on here. I'm excited about the future of convincing creatives, and I hope you are too. So if you did enjoy this and you're on YouTube, consider subscribing. You'll get all the notifications for future videos, and I also make other videos that are not convincing creatives, like films, music videos, and just general ramblings about you know creativity and other things. So you may want to check that out. Uh, additionally, we are on Twitter and Facebook. Follow us on there. Uh, leave us iTunes reviews, all that good stuff. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Mr. Evan Kid. Same with Instagram and all that good stuff. Uh, and obviously, if you have questions for just anything, whether you want on the show or not, let me know. Cool. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate you watching. Peace.